Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Today we are talking about the seventh episode of the second season of Leverage called The Two Life Crew Job. Beth, what did you think? Okay. I have many thoughts. Yeah. About this episode. I thought you might. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first one that I'm going to bring up is completely irrelevant. Yeah, okay. To, I, want, I just want to get it out of the way. It's yeah. also the first On note brand. that I made. Yeah. For some reason, watching the opening scene with Nate and Sophie talking to the people they're yeah. going to help, you know, with this case, I don't know why, but I just got the vibe that at some point Nate either had or is going to have, like, a tragic middle-age crisis goatee moment. I don't know why... But it just really struck me. And then later in the episode, there's, like, the guy from the other crew who yeah. literally had the goatee. And I was like, yeah, yeah like that, but I'm Nate. <laughs> I can't explain it to you. I don't okay. know what it's about. But it just something about that intro. I was just like, he, he's going to have, like, a tragic goatee moment. Mm. I don't know. It just really, I, it just really hit me. <laughs> I couldn't think about anything else for the rest of that scene. Um, anyway, yes, that's my relevant thought. I love that your thought of that scene was, yes, ah, yes, Nate, goatee, and not the inherent tragedy of, like, something about the painting making it out, but the father not. Okay, yes, obviously that was sad, but it it wasn't the absurd, like, abstract thought that that hit me. The absurd abstract thought was, like, Nate's facial hair. Mm. And, look, I can't choose what my brain's going to hyper-focus on. I wish I could. It'd be really helpful. I want to talk about the scene where they're breaking into the first office to steal the Klimt. And they, like, Sophie and Nate are pretending to be the detectives Mm -hmm. talking to the receptionist. Yeah. First up, the most 2009 thing in this entire episode is the hair crimps. I know. That she has. Her whole outfit, actually, is, like, tragically 2000s. (laughs) And I loved it. I also love just how ridiculous and absurd they're getting it. They're like, did he ever express an interest in the color of your toenail polish? Yeah, I know. I thought I, I Did he ever invite you to see his wood chipper? <laughs> I loved the um the initial like sort of intro they did to it where Sophie was like, oh, you're lucky too. You're just his type. And she's <laughs> like, what the fuck does that mean? And uh, very fun. I liked the angle that they went with it. I thought it was really yeah, it's it's very fun to see Sophie and Nate acting together, actually, yeah. because we often see them individually, but we don't often see them, like, cooperatively, I guess. Like, the other yeah. one that jumps to mind is the Mile High job. Yeah. Um, where they played, like, the husband-wife sort of yeah. duo. But, yes, no, I did I did enjoy this one quite a bit. It's always fun, because they play off of each other so well. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. they are just, like... Yeah, I have a lot to say about Sophie and Nate in this episode. Yeah. And I'm sure that you also have a lot oh, to say yeah, about lots. Sophie and Nate in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I've recently re-listened to our like first couple of episodes because yeah. we're about to release them. Yeah. Exciting. Yay. I went really hard on the I will never, ever, ever like Sophie and Nate train. And look... <laughs> you're not necessarily off that train, but you're like you're, you're considering deboarding. Oh, when they were gonna kiss at the end of this episode, and then they like didn't at the last minute. I was like, oh, I was like, you know what? I'm not mad that they didn't, mm. but I would not have been mad if they did. Yeah. 
And now I'm pissed about that just generally. So I am mad. <laughs> Something about... Okay, so let's skip all the way to the end. Yeah, I know you said grow in order, but look, this is our specialty. <laughs> Something about just having a conversation where, like, it, I, I literally wrote down the line because I wanted to be able to quote it, which is... Um, you're the closest thing I've ever had to a real friend, and yeah. I've never heard you say my real name. Mm-hmm. <gasps> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that – I can't believe I'm going to say something nice about Nate, but, like, this episode, obviously Sophie's going through something this yes. season. And I'm, like, starting to, like, really stand by my whole fucking – I think each season might be about a, a different character. Like, I'm really – I think I was maybe onto something there. And obviously you can't tell me, but yeah. I'm – Cool. If we get into, like, next season and it's, like, really hard on Elliot or something, I'm going to be, like, living. Anyway, so, yeah, with Sophie, I think she's obviously going through some shit right now. She's having, like, a full-on identity crisis and we get it pretty explicitly talked about at the end of this episode in the scene in the graveyard where she's saying, like, I have to bury all of these personas yeah. to, like, sort of find myself again, you know? Like, I have to properly kill them. Yeah. So that they're no longer encroaching on yeah. my actual self. And which is fascinating just as a concept um, alone. But yeah, having Nate be there. And not only is she saying like, you know, you don't even know my real name. Like, I appreciate that he's not mad about that. Yeah. Like, because I think that there's a lot of media or a lot of like character dynamics where the character in Nate's position would find out something like that and, it and would be trail. and would be fucked off yeah. about it and would be like, I can't believe, you know, all mm. of our, our entire relationship is built on a lie and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and in, you know, other media, maybe that would make sense. Mm. But I think in this particular show, I, it's so nice mm. that he's like pretty much, you assume that he assumed yeah. that Sophie wasn't her real name. Yeah. So I think it's from what I've gotten, from this show, I've always just assumed that the way the characters are and the way they react is because they knew they knew Sophia was an alias. They knew Sophie was just sort of her most well known alias, sort of her base mm. her base alias that she sort of It's like relies on. She has herself and then yeah. one step removed is Sophie. And yeah. then from Sophie, another step removed is the other aliases yeah. that she portrays. Yeah. Like uh Catherine. Yeah. Which is who they bury in this episode because that's who she's been living as. Yeah, which, by the way, is so fucking funny when Elliot goes to be like, we're going to miss you so, so much. much. <laughs> oh, so completely fucking yeah. all over this. I was fucking right. Sophie is a fake name. Yeah. Like, I know we're talking about it like, oh, yeah, yeah. it's pretty obvious. But, like, yeah, I'm still going to take that for the yeah. win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, mm-hmm. I was I was almost having, like, an aneurysm sitting over here as you were going, like, <laughs> I think they're going to do something with Sophie's name. Like, I don't think Sophie's her actual name. Like, I think they're going to have, like, it's going to be, like, a, a reveal and it's going to be something they're going to do something with. And I'm sitting here going, <laughs> it's a whole last plot point. Yeah, but I also thought it was going to be, like, a thing that the team would be, be betrayed yeah. by. So, like, even in that sense, like, I was right, but I was also wrong because yeah. I was fully expecting them to play it for drama. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't, the fact that they actually played it as quite a, not, like, understated, But as a, like, and it's with Nate, and obviously Nate and Sophie is, like, a whole thing, whether or not the rest of the team would have a different reaction. Yeah. But the fact that they played it as him just accepting this as a fact that he sort of already assumed, and, like, just going along with it and being like, yeah, I know, like, I know that 
you're not being you. Mm. But also, he doesn't care, yeah. I guess. And not in the sense that he doesn't care that she's not being true to herself. I think more he's like, I understand why you feel the need to do this and yeah. I'm not going to judge you for it. And like that, oh, I'm so mad that I'm starting to like Nate. You have no idea. It's really pissing me off. <laughs> but like, I think that like acceptance that he mm. has for her, regardless of the fact that what he's learning, you know, could be viewed almost fairly, like as a bit, well, actually, yeah. Like the fact that, the information he's finding out could be viewed as a betrayal. Mm. And he's sort of just taking it in stride and being like, well, you know, I understand that this is a part of who you are and I understand that this is, you know, not mm. my place to have an opinion on, you know? Yeah. But also, like, you could you could tell me. Like, if you want. Yeah. Like, but I'm a safe space. Yeah. Okay. While we're talking about Sophie, we, we have to talk about Sophie in – the funeral and the uh, graveyard scene mm-hmm. and the eulogies and just everything to do with uh, Catherine's fake yeah. death. Yeah, Because, not going to lie, I I really love what it reveals about the characters, this specific scene. Mm-hmm. And just... Parker's speech. Parker's speech. And, like, obviously Parker knows that she's not really dead, but also... Like, for Parker, it's, like, a little bit real. Mm. You know, it's not just for Parker, who takes everything sort of very literally. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I think it's funny because Parker is a really, really fascinating character. Mm. And I thought that it's, I'm about to take this to a silly place, but, like, just bear with me. You know that meme where it's like sometimes I still Some hear their voice, voice. like yeah. quit telling everyone I'm dead. Literally this Parker episode. and Sophie, yeah. this entire episode. And it's yeah, it's it's funny. It's and Parker, like obviously in her own way, like at the funeral, like giving her speech yeah. w- was being very like genuine. Like she was like trying her best to be heartfelt and ex- like get across to these people I've like known you know, Catherine forever. Almost two, two years. years. And the fact that she then quantifies like that might not seem like a long time to anyone, but like for me, you know, that's p- practically my whole life. Like, yeah, just and this is what I was saying in the first season. You're like, why would these people work together? I'm like, the crushing loneliness, <laughs> the crushing loneliness. Yeah. Um, I think also while we're talking vaguely about like Sophia and her name and that, it's also important to note like there's a good chance that well, there's not a good chance we know. That Sophie's not the only one in the team who's going by a fake name. Do we? Because Parker is not her real name. Who only has one name? So well, even I just assumed that we didn't know her surname. We never get a surname. No what one. What the fuck? No one. Jamie. No one is born with just one name. Yeah, but I just assumed it was just a thing where, like, they just hadn't mentioned her surname. You don't have to. Like, when I introduce myself, I don't. I don't give my entire name. I just say hi. I'm Beth. I just assumed. Sorry. What the fuck, Jamie? <laughs> you really thought, well, I don't know. Well, now I know. Well, now that's going to be... Well, you know she doesn't have a surname. I, how do I know that? Because it's literally the first episode of the season. She goes to collect her tickets and she goes, Parker. And he goes, surname. She goes, no, just Parker, just one name. Oh, I don't remember that. Gonna be paying attention. Fuck. 
But yes, Parker is the only name we ever get for Parker. So we, and to be fair, we don't know if that's like her actual name. Like what if, if what if she just changed her name legally to just be Parker Parker? Mm. And so then it's just Parker. Mm. Okay, I have a question. Do we ever find out Sophie's like real legal name? You can just say yes or no. She's sipping her drink. Obnoxiously. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm going to take your face as a yes. You look like you're having a kind What are you of, doing? <laughs> kind of. We get given a name for Sophie. Okay. That I don't know if they ever confirmed that it's actually her real name. Right. So it's kind of like the Rosa Diaz to... Yeah. Like, we, we do get another name for Sophie. Oof. All the way in the fifth season. Okay. But. Is it kind of, kind of like with Rosa? So you find out that she also goes by Emily Goldfinch, but you don't actually know. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Does she? It's a whole thing. You'll see. Okay. All right. Well, I'll. Sophie's name is, yeah, a whole, it's oh. a whole thing. Okay. Okay. But like, what could her name, like now I kind of want to guess her name. Mm. I mean, it's stupid. It's impossible because yeah. of the statistics. But, like, I'm just trying to think, like, oh, what would I name this character? I'll have a think about it. What? <laughs> I have a thought that I... Uh, it's kind of vaguely spoily. <laughs> Let me block my ears. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that's very Nate-coded of you. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> that's the most crushing thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> And you have no idea what that actually means. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm interpreting it to mean at some point he tries to guess what Sophie's name is and it's statistically stupid, but... No more comments. No more spoileries from me. God, you've really thrown me for a loop this morning. I'm finding out that Parker's not Parker's name and Parker doesn't have a surname and apparently that's just me being dumb and not picking up on that. And now I'm Nate-coded somehow. I need to take a U-quiz stat. <laughs> Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> How do we get off of this topic? Uh, by... Oh, by going to the van with Hardison and Sophie. This is not about Hardison and Sophie. I hate chaos. Oh, yeah. Everyone hates chaos. I hate him. He's a dick. With every... Yeah. I, I feel like all the hatred I had for Nate... I've imbued into chaos. Like, I love Will Wheaton, who plays chaos, but I hate chaos. Oh, that's why he looked fucking familiar. Yeah, Yeah, he's Star Trek. Very well known for Star Trek. Crazy. Okay. Wesley Crusher. Mm. See? Very nerdy guy. This... Sorry, we'll get... Do we want to talk about the opposing team? Is that a nice segue into that? Uh, Yeah. Or did you have a point you want to make? I was just going to say that I hate chaos. Uh, What I was going to say is... I really liked, like, the opposition of each yeah. team member. Like, mm-hmm. I really liked yeah. their characters. Chaos, I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, although it was really funny when, like, they got out of the vans and they're doing, like, the Wild West standoff yeah, no. with the literal Wild West music. And I was like, Jesus <laughs> and, Christ. And, like, he's got the tiny laptop and Hardison's just literally just got a keyboard. I think it's really interesting that they sort of, they either went incredibly similar or completely opposite for all of the characters. Like, if you look at Hardison and Chaos, like Hardison is like from what we can tell, he's very like methodical. Like all like he he has very specific patterns that he follows. Like he's very orderly. He like you know he does one duh, duh, duh. he has steps and he mm. takes those steps in order. 
Whereas chaos is literally called chaos. Mm. Chaos's hacking style is, I think we get a quote later on and it's sort of like they, there's a character and they say something along the lines of, you know, Hardison is Kung Fu mastery versus chaos who is straight fighting drunken fucking brawling mm. like i think it's very interesting that they were like oh this is how we're gonna have hardison be beat not yeah. because chaos is necessarily better but because hardison can't predict what chaos is gonna do yeah and the only way he wins is by predicting what chaos is gonna do which is how he knows that like chaos is gonna target his power supply so he's gonna have a backup and then you have like apollo and parker mm-hmm who are, like, the same person. I know. The bit where they're in the vents and yeah. they're, she's like, what kind of bird did you use? And they're just like, I was like, this is, I love this. Yeah. And then at the very end when they're, like, getting drinks, whatever, and they're timing each other, like, they're, doing the loss. Yeah, they're having a race. They're, like, racing. Yeah. Iconic. Also, also, I'm sorry, I could not catch, what is the name of the, like, Elliot, like, counterpart? Uh, Mikhail Diane. Okay, I could not catch her name. Yeah. So... If they don't fuck, <laughs> because, okay, here's the thing. I was watching the scene where they were like, oh, actually, okay, sorry, completely sidetracking us for a hot okay, minute. Yeah. I loved the thing where they were just staring at each other yeah. and, like, the slightest movement in position so that they would be like, oh, they're going to go for this fighting style and they could see it play and they could see yeah. who was going to fucking win. Mm-hmm. I was like, I love that. Very fun. Yeah. I don't know if I love the, like, film style they yeah. chose to show it in. Yeah. But I did love the concept. I thought it was very fun. I thought it was a really great way to highlight how well matched they were. Yeah. Because I've said before, like, an issue that I have is when we, we've seen Elliot be so good for mm. so long that it's really frustrating when they try and make it believable that he could be beaten. Yeah. I think this did it really well. And I feel like I said in that episode, like, there is a couple of hitters that would come, like, they, they could either beat Elliot, or they'd come awfully close. Yeah. And I was like, there is like three or four that we meet during the season. This mm-hmm. is one of them. Yeah. Mikkel Diane is one of them. And I love her. Mm-hmm. I love her I so much. Love her I love the too. comparing scars. And yes. Her, and um, <laughs> Elliot's like, oh, I can beat that. Like, sniper in Myanmar. Yeah. And, she's and she's like, like I was, I was a, a sniper in <laughs> yeah. Obsessed. I, and like the look on his face when he realizes, and, I was, and he's like, when? <laughs> like 2003. And he's like, <laughs> the fucking handcuffs, I swear to God. Literally, okay. So when they were actually fighting and then mm. the, the second time they come across each other and, like, the steam is, like, making everything wet or whatever yeah. and she, like, takes off her shirt. I was like, okay, first of all, she's really hot. But I was yeah. like, sec- I loved her shirt, actually. Yeah. The button down, cute as hell. And her bra, also cute mm. as hell. But I was like, ugh, okay, I kind of wish this hadn't turned into, like, some kind yeah. of fucking wet t-shirt competition thing. Yeah. Like, come on, like, the lady But it's can- fine because Elliot's participating too. I was just going to say, here's the thing. But then... The same things happened to Elliot. And I was like, oh, okay, this is an equal opportunities kind of situation. Yeah. Both of them are in the wet t-shirt competition. And then I was much like, like they more were like, okay about it. They were like, our audience is bi. We're going to cater to that. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, I was like mad. I was like, oh, they're going to like sexualize like the lady, you know, whatever. Sure. And then, but then they did it to Elliot too. And I was like, okay, well, like I'm much less mad about yeah. this now. And then I was like, are they going to fuck? And then they kissed and I was like, oh, they're going to fuck. <laughs> it's heavily implied that they fucked. Like, and I was like, I'm into that. <laughs> it was very, uh, very fun. Also, I loved Hardison calling them out on the handcuffs thing, being like, mm, y'all are freaky. <laughs> 
Okay, while we're still talking about the opposing team, there's mm-hmm. sort of two more things that I want to get into this conversation before we move on. One, Apollo, the thief opposite Parker, yes. is an actual thief. He oh. is their criminal consultant that they consulted for the show. Huh. As in he gets paid to break into, like, banks and stuff yeah. to tell them what's wrong with their security. What a fun Easter egg. Yeah. Huh. Um, and the second thing is I really love that they, like, they contrasted Nate with Stark mm. and just, like, and the way they mashed together, like, the I briefing scene. I loved that so much. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. And it's, like... Like, kudos to the editing team on that one. It, I feel like Stark and... Stark, Sterling, and Ford all exist on a spectrum. Mm. And you go Sterling, Ford, and then Stark. It's like, you know, like, yeah. they're all the same character. They just fall in different... Morality. Sp- like, different sections on, like, the morality and legality spectrum, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I would love to see... A collaboration. I don't know if the function of the show would ever allow for it. Just because of, like, obviously they're, like, natural opposition. But I do think it would be really fun if at some point they had to, like, kind of reluctantly work together for, like, some – I don't even know how you would work it in. But I just do think it would be quite – like, okay – like, maybe two facets are working together to overthrow yeah. the third kind of thing. Yeah. I think that could be fun. Although I would be interested to see which two would collaborate to take down the third. Like, I think there is, like, equal it's opportunity. It's Sterling together against Snake Ford. Yeah. Like, I think just because they seem petty, mm. you know? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Also, I do love that they make the point that no one of, like... I yeah. love the fact that they made a note that everyone was intimidated by Sophie yeah. and not by Stark, like, when they like, worked together. That's specifically what Chaos mm-hmm. is saying. Like, I had the perfect double-cross plan, yeah. and then you want to go and bring in a new player at the last second, and then, oh, by the way, that player is Sophie Devereaux. Like, I'm not fucking trying yeah. to out-con Sophie Devereaux. Fuck that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, and then like we find out from Sophie like when she's explaining what how their con is going to run and she and or when Nate is talking about it and she goes oh yeah that bit was my idea yeah. it's good isn't it and it's like yes like it's good like I I just really appreciated that they made the point that like no no Sophie was the threat yeah not this other yeah. dude and I think it it's really really coming this season feels much more cohesive. Yeah than season one Mm. and i like that like i can you can really tell that they're doing something with sophie this season like last season it's like yes it was about nate and his grief and his revenge and you could see it but it felt much more sporadic and a lot less cohesive is the only word i can think of i feel like the the major difference between last season and this season is this season it does sort of like it has a very specific order that you should watch it in Mm. if that makes sense like yeah good point like you couldn't there is a lot of episodes that you couldn't you couldn't flip around, you couldn't switch. You could not yeah. put this episode before, uh, say, like, the three days of the hunter job. Like, yeah. you could not do it. That does not make sense. You mm-hmm. couldn't – like, you can't just sort of randomly reshape the entire season by messing with the order of the no. episodes. 
because it's very specific. Like you have to watch it consecutively. Yeah, that the, the character development is a lot more linear in this one rather than sort of like, like and like okay, human development and character development isn't naturally linear, mm. but like it. Last For season doesn't purposes. Last season doesn't have as many sort of threads that like yeah. have to weave together in a specific way to work. Like yeah. they have a bunch of threads, but it's sort of like. None of them are significant enough other than Nate's grief and his, which is sort of like very consistent through the season. So like the only thing that you kind of really want is the um the 12-step job directly before the, the finales. Yeah. That's sort of the only thing that you'd really want. To be specifically To be specifically there because the whole idea is that the 12-step job really revealed how bad his alcoholism had gotten. Yeah, and the only other thing is that you would need the pilot to be, obviously, yeah, the in pilot. the position of the yeah. pilot. But other than that, yeah, that whole season you could really chop and change. I think that's why it was so hard for me to kind of mm. pick. Mm. Like, you were saying, like, oh, have you got any thoughts about, like, at the end of the season? And I was like, I mean, not really, because mm. it just didn't feel cohesive. And so, like, yes, we were getting all the flashbacks and stuff tonight, but I was like, I don't feel like it's necessarily building to anything. Yeah. This feels like we're building to something. So do you have any ideas what we could be building to? Well, now that we've introduced this concept of, like, other criminals in the field and, like, yeah. people having a beef out potentially for Sophie in particular, yeah. I'm wondering if it's going to come down to some kind of Sophie has to make a – like, literally Sophie's <laughs> choice, you know, um, kind of decision yeah. where, like, she has to sort of – Maybe choose between the team and somebody that she used to work with or something? Well, potentially. Or maybe she has to choose between... So, Sophie, I get the impression that Sophie is a character who runs. And that's why she has so many aliases, right? Mm. Because every time that she's, you know, reached a point where she's like, ooh, this water's a little too hot for me, I'm going to, you know, skip town, she just creates a new alias. Like, it's it's her second nature. It's how she survives, how she protects herself. If she's wonder, not the same person for too long, no one can catch up to her. Right. I wonder if if the team is put in a compromising situation where the water is too hot mm. and she has the opportunity to jump ship, mm-hmm. the choice becomes does she fall to her natural, like at this point, her like natural instinct, which is yeah. to just skip town, pick up a new alias, reimagine herself as someone else. Yeah. Let's call her Amy, right? Mm. Or... Does she keep herself in the hot water for the yeah. sake of the rest of the team? Because she is in a unique position where it would probably be much easier for her to reinvent herself yeah. outside of a situation. So if the rest of the team was going down, she could hop, skip and jump herself yeah. away into Amy's new life. Yeah. But whether she would choose to remain in that sticky situation and risk being actually unmasked yeah. as whoever her actual name is. Yeah. Like, I think that for Sophie would be the ultimate choice that mm. she would have to make between self-preservation mm. and the relationships that she's formed. Because, like, we've talked a lot, like all of the characters, like, this is their found family. This is their first real solid... As Hardison literally says in this yes. episode, sometimes friends are the only family you get. And that quote, I wrote it down because I love that quote so much. It falls for me under the same category as the, you know, infamous supernatural quote that family don't end in blood. 
you know, and there's actually an extension of that quote later in the series where it becomes family don't end in blood, but it doesn't start there either. Mm. And yeah, like that's for me, it's like the same concept. It's this idea that your family are the people that you choose to, to build connections with and to love and who choose to do that for yourself, not necessarily where you were born into, Mm. you know, and that's, I mean, that's just personally something that resonates really strongly for me, and I'm sure it does for a lot of people. Um, but I told you found yeah, family. You did. And I will say the found family in this second season just, like, immediately a million times stronger yeah. than the first. And we've talked about this a lot as well, like, with the yeah. new location and, and mm. whatnot. But this episode really highlighted it, I think, yeah. in, like, a subtle way. Pure, like, coming at it through the lens of Sophie particularly yeah. – I think really, really puts it under a microscope, you know? Even just, like, the little things. Like, in this episode, like, Elliot checking in on Sophie. Like, oh, hey, it's kind of weird Sophie isn't here. I'll, like, I'll yeah. call her. Like, uh-huh. I'll check in. And then, of course, bomb. Maybe we should talk about the we bomb. We should talk about the bomb. I have questions yeah. about the bomb. I also have questions about <laughs> the bomb logistically. I- like, most of them can be, like, so, sort of hand-wavied away by, like... TV magic. TV magic and also... Chaos is meant to be a really smart dude. He could work it out. Like, yeah. But I look. I love the that the bomb is in a vase of flowers, so mm. that it's something that you don't necessarily suspect. And then obviously she's picked it up and it's gone like click or something, and mm-hmm. she's been like, oh, yeah. Um, but also, I don't understand how you build a, a motion sensitive bomb in a vase of water without accidentally. Setting, setting it off while you're trying to... <laughs> Literally, okay, so I've been thinking about yeah. this because it was driving me insane. I was like, how did this happen? So, because my question was, right, when they come and find her, she's standing in the middle of, like, yeah. the room, right? So I'm like, if she has been delivered flowers to her door, theoretically, yeah. how the fuck has she managed to pick them up or take them yeah. from whoever and walk halfway across her living room without setting this the motion up, right? So... Then my thought was like, okay, well, by that logic, how did they even like make the bomb and get it in there without setting it mm. off? And so the only thing that I could think, and then knowing that Chaos was the one who made it, yeah. I was like, okay, this kind of cements yeah. it. I assume that he somehow like was watching maybe through like cameras or something. Like, so, okay, so if she's yeah. in the apartment building, say there's a security camera in the hall yeah. outside her house, say he's left the flowers at her door, yeah, right? He could watch. From the security camera to see when she had actually collected it, taken it inside, and then he could remotely Um, trigger it to, you know, and, like, that was the only thing that I could think that would explain the situation. That's what I thought as well. I, I, what, how I think this bomb works is, you know, it's been delivered or whatever, and either, like, he's delivered it himself, and I don't know if they ever say, like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure, like, Sophie never sees who delivered the bomb. No, because, because otherwise, otherwise that would have. So obviously they've delivered it. She's picked it up. That's why gone I think inside, it's outside the and, door. And he's either set a timer so that it arms, and then she's heard like the click or whatever, mm. and been like, "Oh, something's funky here." Realized it's a bomb, and then just like frozen. Yeah, because she doesn't know what's going to set it off. Yeah. Um. So that's sort of what I've assumed has happened. I think it honestly could be either of the two. Yeah. But I think that it. Yeah, it comes down to. He must have, like, left it at the door. 
Yeah. I think. And then she's picked it up and carried it in and yet something, either a timer or an, an external trigger has set it to go. And then, yeah, like you say, she hears whatever. Yeah. And she's like, or maybe she just sees this like weird yeah. in the glass and she's like, oh. just stops. Yeah. I have a question. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that scene yeah. in a second. But I, <laughs> do they just blow up a building in every se- Like, is this a thing that we should be paying attention to? Because this is now, we're two seasons in, this is the second like, upper-level unit that they've yeah. exploded. <laughs> they, they explode a whole bunch of things. There, there's a couple more significant things that they blow up later on in this season that, um... Oh, I look forward to it. Not necessarily. Like, they... They do have locations that they work in that they leave without blowing them up. I will say that. Okay, great. We, we, do, <laughs> we do see, like, stable locations for these characters that do not end in explosions. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I look forward to that. Like, but yeah, they do also blow up. Mm. Okay, cool. I'm gonna cu- I'm gonna start counting. Okay, <laughs> this is number two. How many buildings blown up? Yeah, it's three. <laughs> they blow up the warehouse. Well, not them, but they didn't blow up a car. Well, actually, they don't blow up a car in this one either. No, yeah. it just gets blown up. Okay, well, now let's circle back to the the scene with the bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 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 assuming you have thoughts. <laughs> I. Really enjoyed the tension of this yeah. scene. I thought it was actually quite well done. I sometimes find that stuff like this, I don't know, with, with shows that are very, like, heavy on the drama, mm. I find that they tend to – you know how um you're – with, like, tension building in, in mm. TV or movies or, like, music or whatever, like, yeah. you can't go too hard too fast because yeah. then you have nowhere to go. Like, you have to have the ebb and the flow, yeah. the highs and lows of – High school football. Um, <laughs> that one's for you, KJ. Um, <laughs> but you have to have those ups and downs mm. because otherwise you just – there's just nowhere to go, right? I think that this scene was done particularly well because you have the high tension, mm. but it's not like everyone's yelling and blah, blah, mm. blah. It's like it's, it's tense in a quiet way. Yeah. And I think that that's much – more effective in this scenario and like i think it also makes a lot of sense considering who the characters are yeah like there was no like huge crescendo of music and like like there was none of that crap it was i mean it works in some cases but in this i don't think it would have and i appreciate that all of the character responses were very unique to the character like Elliot goes straight into like okay this is what kind of bomb it is this is the blah 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 this is the this is what you're gonna have to do and he's very matter of fact and very calm about it and very you know you can see his experience with bombs yeah and also I want to highlight teacher Elliot as like a fun facet of his yeah, character. Because, I mean, we've literally seen Teacher Elliot. Yeah, yeah. But this <laughs> this is like Teacher Elliot really coming out and yeah. being like, okay, this is not a drill. This is, you know, real consequences here, but I'm going to approach it as if I'm teaching you and this is like a classroom setting. Like, do not throw it. Mm. Just let it drop, you know, let it go naturally. Just like, and very, very clear instructions, very calm, because like, if he's freaking out, He's lost control of the situation. That is not going to help her. So he's staying calm. He is staying in control. Despite the fact when Elliot's only plan is how fast can you run? Yeah. That's a bad thing. Yeah. Because, like, as much as, like, Nate's the plan guy, like, mm-hmm. Elliot always has a plan. Like, I think you all of see them that, do. Yes. But in very different ways. Yeah. Like, 
Elliot always has a plan to get the team to safety. It's probably a really good way mm. to say it. So for him to not have a plan beyond, like, how fast can you run, yeah, it is concerning. I think times like this is when you really, really see, like, you're like, oh, I can see the ex-military in yes. this character. Like, that high-pressure, but just cool, calm, collected, okay, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take charge. You guys are going to get out now. Like, this is what we're doing kind of thing. I did appreciate that Nate was going to stay with her. Mm. I thought that was, again, like, I hate saying nice things about Nate, but, like, I'm starting to be like, shit, maybe I like Nate. Um, It's also, for me, just the heartbreaking moment where you can see Sophie's like, stealing herself to, mm -hmm. like, tell them to go. And she's like... And she raises her voice and she's like, you know, get get out. out. Yeah. If you, if you don't leave now, I'm going to kill you myself. Like, yeah. And and just, like, the little quiver in her mm-hmm. voice and, like, how... Gina Bellman really knocks that out of the park. <laughs> just how terrified she is, not for herself necessarily, but for the team. Yeah. She's like, if I'm screwed, then I'm screwed, but I'm not necessarily... Like, I'm have not bringing to take you down, down with me. Exactly. And even... Even Parker's reaction, and Parker's reaction upon hearing it's a motion-sensitive bomb, is to poke the jar. And But know. also, we really see, like, Parker's creative problem-solving mm. in this episode. Like, with the pudding. Instant pudding. Yeah, as like, soon as she said it, I was like, oh, that's fucking genius. Yeah. Like, I didn't, like, obviously, they give the little explanation, but, like, you don't really need it. Because no. you're like, oh, I think it's, it's gonna... just for anyone not familiar with instant, instant pudding. pudding. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and... You know, it could have been the same with jelly, except just yeah. jelly takes too hard to set. They would have had to, like, shuffle it to the fridge for four hours. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's just so, so out of the box. Yeah. And it's really helpful in, like, these sort of scenarios to have that kind of external thought process. Mm. But, yeah, even um, what I appreciated was that even though, like, Parker goes to, like, tap the jar of the motion-sensitive bomb – no one freaks out it was just like Nate like kind of just grabs her hand and so he's like let's not touch the jar holding the motion sensor you know and it's not like a no one like yells or like even in this really high pressure scenario none of them are losing their cool yeah and I think that it's a testament to it's a testament to the writing that all of the characters are having very individual reactions but all very cohesive reactions and all reactions that make sense given what we already know. Yeah, they just haven't had a whole bunch of people screaming for no reason. Like, they, they weren't like, oh, we need to increase the drama. We're going to make it, mm-hmm. you know, like, they, they're all panicking or whatever. Like, they're all panicking yeah, even in their own ways. The only thing, yeah, they are, because that's the thing, they are panicking. Yeah. It's just they're panicking in character. Yeah. And, like, the you could have had Hardison maybe freak out a little bit just because he tends to be a lot more like when he gets nervous, he like, you know, speaks at super like sonic speeds and like, you know, has a little bit of a flappy moment. They could have had him do that. But I think that for the sake of tension, it didn't like that would not have made sense. And he really doesn't actually say a lot in that scene. It's very much like Elliot is taking care of that because that's his expertise. No, yeah, I just, yeah, I I really love how telling that moment is in terms of characterization and like it. We're circling back to Sophie and Hardison in the van and like Hardison being like, "Well, we trust Nate to make sure the plan works. We trust you to make sure we're okay." Mm. Like, she's their mum. She's the mum <laughs> of the family. Like, yeah, 
What I think is interesting, though, is, like, who's checking on Sophie? Exactly. And then you're like, oh, it's Nate. Yeah. And I think the fact that Nate was so, like, messed up in the first season, so, like, no one was checking on on Sophie Sophie. because Sophie was also fully babysitting Nate. Mm. And so now this season, now that Nate has, like, sobered up and he's sort of, like, you know... We're starting to see them as partners, as equals, as... Yeah, and so you can see that sort of, like, sharing of the load Mm. and, like, she was really his crutch for a lot of the first season and now... He's not her crutch as such, but he's definitely there to support her in yeah. a very in a different way. Yeah. Like Sophie was sort of like sweeping up after Nate yeah. and like picking him up off the ground a lot in season one. Nate is just sort of there in the background for Sophie as she kind of it's almost like she's a little baby animal learning to walk. And he's like just standing in the background making sure that if she falls over or if she gets scared, he's a safe space for yeah. her to come to. You know? And so they're, yeah, it's a very different dynamic, Mm. but it is good to have someone there to watch her because, yeah, last season it was sort of like, well, she's looking after everyone. Yeah. You know, and they're all looking after each other, but no one's really looking after Sophie in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But also the van's kind of whiffy. Yeah. (laughs) It smells like hard work. (laughs) Um, Before we get off of Sophie, because I know that, We've this is going to be a Sophie lot, heavy, this, it's, It is a Sophie episode. Full stop. This yeah. is a Sophie episode. We get a lot about all of the members of the team, but this is a Sophie episode. Yeah. I want to talk about the fact where she's like, no one's going to recognize me. And I'm like, babe, at your own funeral? She's like, I'm acting. I'm like, yeah, but your face looks the same. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's wearing like a little like half yeah. veil thing. Like, I just, the reason I made a note of it was that I thought it was interesting because it seems like she is determined to self-sabotage. Yeah. It's like she is literally looking to be exposed. I also just think there there is a certain element of Sophie that's like it's all about like the admiration. It's all about – like there's a reason she wants to be an actress. Like And the whole thing about the two Davids. Yeah. No one has done it before. It's, it's about the acclaim. It's about the accolades. It's about mm-hmm. the fame. It's about – and so for her – it's like she wants to go to her own funeral to see all the people weeping over the loss. Like, yeah, she wants to see how many people actually cared about her. Yeah, which is fascinating in itself because, you know, it's not her. It's yeah. Catherine who's this fake version of her who, mm. you know. Catherine's who the professor that she was dating, though. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Catherine's who her lease was under. Catherine's... The person who was in the production of The Sound of Music at the start of the season. Yeah, like, I liked that they had the little placard without yeah. it. <laughs> the ceremony. Which is honestly just probably like that's the only photo they could really get of her. Mm, yeah, good point. But yeah, it's like, I mean, I, I literally finished watching Fleabag last night mm. with uh, Naomi. Mm. So I'm really in the mindset of like a character who's like set on self-sabotage. Mm. But yeah, I was watching it. I was going, yeah, like she's just like it's it's like she it's like she wants to get caught so that she has to face herself, but she it's it's like she doesn't want to actually make the decision to unveil her true self. She, it's almost like she wants to be forced into it so that it yeah. doesn't feel like her giving up. Yeah. I, I don't know how how really to she's too scared to make the choice for herself. So she wants to have to make the choice with no way to avoid it. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. she's trying to sort of force herself into doing it by putting herself in a situation where she has to. Yeah. For, because she can't summon the courage to just do it. Do it. Yeah. I don't know how else to vocalise it, but I think that pretty much sums up yeah, sort of how I feel about it. Though I will say, just, just very, very, very briefly, Sophie in the van as Hyacinth and Chaos are having the standoff, just going, I know. On the keyboard is you. <laughs> Is you undoing all my well-named plans? I'm sorry. I am so technologically inept. It's really bad. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Um, Oh, while we're talking about stuff, we also have to talk about, again, going back to that end scene with Nate, the the thing of, like, I haven't been Sophie Deverell in a long time. You killed her. You... With your stupid little, like... Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Like, do... Like, because... Yeah, Sophie... Sophie Devereaux sort of just, like... It's the... From what we get from this episode, it's the alias that she's had the longest. It's probably the one she feels most attached to. Yeah. It's sort of where she keeps going back to. Like, it's her base alias. Yeah. Like... Like we were saying before, like, Sophie is one step away from who she actually is, and then everything else is built off of Sophie. And then as Sophie, she has a whole reputation. That's what this entire episode is about. It's about the reputation of who Sophie was before she joined the team. Mm. So it's fascinating to just look and think, oh, the people who knew her as Sophie no longer recognize her as Sophie. Sophie. Yeah. She's not who she was. Like, she is very (laughs) cast-coded. Um, helping other people has changed her beyond recognition. Yeah. And her, the influence that Nate and his sort of perspective and goals has had on her has, yeah, has, has changed her. Yeah. Like I said, (laughs) cast-coded. Very, very quickly. Yeah. This is just a shout out to yet another Nate's ugly hat, bad accent combo. Don't really have anything else to talk about. I just, I'm just keeping track of it now because- habit but yeah nate's bad accent bad hat he's just trying to see emily yeah i love the part where he's like did she move move? (laughs) (gasps) let's talk about stark pretending to be nate Mm. this is hell i i think it's fucking hilarious i i'm i'm like living for this shit i'm like hell yeah yeah Use Nate's actual identity as cover mm-hmm. for this heist that you're pulling. So then if anyone questions into it, it's Nate who cops yeah. the flack. Yeah. Like genius. I it would be like if Nate used Sterling. Yeah. And I think that's very fun. And I think he should do it. I think he should be like, wow, that was actually a good idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that later. Like Oh, okay. I want to ask you a question. Okay. Have the team ever actually been bested before is this the first time we see them get bested no when have we seen that happen before? the first day of the job they get beaten by sterling yeah i guess so i and then they don't win so much as escape yeah that's fair i think i think that's the key there like here like here they get beaten because they don't know they're competing yeah that's true. They just, the timing happened to work out that they were, like, an hour behind the other team. Yeah. Like, yeah, the other team had already 
broken in and basically stolen the painting and they were on their way out as they were on their way in. Yeah. I do love that we're getting the explanation of from Hardison about why they can't break into the office in the mm. way that Parker wants to while watching the other team do and, exactly what he's saying. And Parker's like, impossible. it feels like cheating. It feels wrong. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, it's easier to hack a wall than a high-tech security system. Like, this is just easier. Yeah. And I do find it funny that, like, his point wasn't that it was impossible. He was just like, this is just, like, why would you go to all of that effort when you could just do this? Yeah. And it reminded me, like, at the end of the episode, when he bests chaos by just having a crank generator. Yeah. He's like, why would I do all this high-tech shit when I could just use this infallible method that you can't remotely access? And I was like, fucking genius. Like, being able to recognize the limitations of your own skill set is so important and it kind of feels like chaos feels like he's like limitless yeah like, he feels like he's untouchable mm. and so he doesn't bother trying to come up with fallbacks yeah whereas hardison is like well i recognize the limitations on my abilities yeah because some stuff like it's just better to do it the traditional way yeah. than to make it needlessly complicated and show off and i feel like that is innately a more intelligent and tactical way to go about it. Yeah. When you recognize that it's like, yeah, I could do this really impressive thing, mm. but like, it's probably not actually the most efficient way to do it. And it also makes sense why the other team would be doing it the more challenging way, because the whole point of this smaller job is to work out how the team works together. Mm. So it's like, they're still, they're in the, like, getting used to each other, working out what everyone can do, testing and working together sort of stage. So they're going to go for the harder option mm-hmm. so that they actually have a chance to assess assess and work together. Whereas, like, the team's not trying to prove anything. They're not, mm. like, yeah. they are a team. Like, they know how they work together. They know what they can do. Like, they're... They just want to get in and get out. They just want to get in and get out. Like, for them, it is about efficiency. Whereas for the other team, it's about working out potential issues that would come up in the actual in the actual job yeah. that they're planning on doing. Mm-hmm. I do really love that we get a little bit of insight this episode as to how Nate's team is seen by the rest of the community. Yeah. And the fact that, like, yeah, from if you were on the outside looking in and you didn't know that they were doing it for specific people, mm. it 100% just looks like they're – out here conning and stealing and it literally looks like they're the biggest baddest con group you know yeah like and i guess in a sense they are yeah because even even knowing the context and knowing that they're doing Mm. you know the wrong thing for the right reason Mm. they're still doing the wrong thing they're still (laughs) you know and so yeah it is interesting it's always fun i think with any any media to get an outside perspective on your main characters. Yeah. Because obviously with... We see them, we know them, we love them. Exactly. And so you don't think about sort of the perspective of if you're looking in through the window. Yeah. You know, because we're inside the building. So we have all the context. But yeah, I do think it's always fun when you get those like external perspectives. Yeah. And like, of course, like somebody would look at the bank shot job and say like, oh, well, you robbed a bank. Yeah. And then framed a judge for it. Like, mm-hmm. they don't know the judge is an asshole. Like, yeah, that's... they don't understand that the point was that the judge was corrupt. Yeah, yeah like exactly. They, if you take that out of the equation, it does just look like they robbed a bank and mm-hmm. framed a judge for it. You know, like, if you don't understand that 
the jury trial was basically rigged before they got there. Mm-hmm. It does just look like they were... They rigged the jury trial. They, yeah, exactly. It's like... like, And, you know, if they, if they don't understand that the whole point was the mob was framing someone and, mm-hmm. like, they tried to kill someone because otherwise they would be exposed, it does just look like they robbed the mob. Like, Yeah, it, yeah. And I just... I do love when you get reminded of... The fact that if you weren't, like, fully in the loop with these people's lives, like, if you heard about them from an outsider's character's perspective, you would agree with the outside character because you'd be like, oh, man, these people are crazy insane. Like, damn, you know, like, they're, like, super criminals. And I guess they are. But, yeah, knowing the context and knowing what's actually going on in the surrounds of the cases is, like, so important. It's like... um. You know in Buffy, when they give her the Umbrella Award, and they're like, we don't really know why you being here has, like, significantly lowered the death rate of the town, but we know it has something to do with you. Like, it's kind of like that. It's this idea that, like, if you're not in the Scooby gang, you don't actually get what's going on, but you're just sort of, like, some, like peripherally aware. Yeah. You know? And I think that's always a fun concept. Speaking of fun concepts, actually, I loved at the end of this episode when they swapped the painting. Yes. And I'm like, obviously they're going to give him one of his own fakes. Mm. Like, oh, because, the Anyway, and then they do. And I'm like, I love that. What I wasn't expecting was for them to frame chaos at the airport. My favorite thing about that scene. The sticky note? With the smiley face. That is the <laughs> fucking most passive aggressive petty <laughs> shit I've ever seen. And I... I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> this is the real one, Smiley, and it's just fucking iconic. And the best part, the best part, first of all, is that chaos is obviously going to be screwed. Yeah. But the best part for me is that you know that this find is going to be a highly publicized news story, yeah. which means that Stark is going to see it. And know that he has the fake, and then for him to get the original back is going to be so much effort. And yeah. I just think that that is hilarious. I just think it's so funny. Oh, it just brings me such joy. I want to talk about when they finally know who else is in the team. Like the second meeting they have, the one where they intercut it between yes. Stark and Nate, and like uh-huh. we're like, oh, these are the same person. Mm-hmm. I there are, there are several moments I love in that scene. Yeah. First up, I love Parker's little, like, people in that line of high-risk work tend to be very unstable. The complete lack of self-awareness. I know, the look that Hardison and Elliot share, like, um, okay. Like, mate, you're in that line of work. Yeah. And the other part of that scene that I fucking adore Mm -hmm. is Hardison going, you were scared to find a girl, and Elliot being like, she would mop the floor with your ass. Yeah. Actually, funny story. She once murdered someone <laughs> with, with a, a mop. <laughs> and then he's like explaining how she did it. So funny. I loved both of those moments mm. so much. But I also additionally loved a third moment. Okay, yeah. Which was when Sophie is describing... You, it's it's ambiguous who yeah. she's actually talking about. about. And then... They're like, you're talking about Nate, right? And she's, and she's like, like, yeah, yeah Nate. Like, but she's actually talking about both of them. It applies to both, yeah. Yeah, and I find it so funny knowing that she used to work with Stark when Nate was chasing her, and Nate didn't know about Stark, but I'm like, damn, this woman has a type. (laughs) Like, 
They're the same person. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. Stark was who Nate kind of is now before yeah. Nate was. Like, like it's, it's the, the Sterling Nate. Yes. Dark Spectrum. It's yes. like, Nate started off like Sterling. Uh huh. And he's slowly moving towards more and more Stark. Stark. Yeah. Like, Right? And then Sophie's doing the opposite. She started on the Stark end and is moving towards Nate yeah. and Sterling. And I, oh, good lord. It's a fun, it's a fun thought process. Yeah. But I also, I just, I love the idea that obviously Nate and Sophie had like a little thing kind of going, like yeah. they had like a back and forth r- rapport and yeah. like banter, whatever, flirty banter. When he was chasing her. I just found it as, so funny. As she funny. said, like, you know, and she's like, you remember that great run in Budapest? The one where I chased you for three months? Well, technically you were chasing us. Yeah, and the fact that, like, Nate did not know about this other dude is just so funny to me. Like, he was clearly so... Fixated. Fixated on this this hunt, right, of of Sophie. Yeah. That (laughs) he just, like, completely was blindsided to the fact that there could have been more than one person, like working on it i just think that's and Elliot's like so funny. you worked with other teams and like parker i think it's parker who's like no she just saw another nate before a nate yeah literally <laughs> speaking of parker mm-hmm. i do want to talk about her this episode for a yes. minute and how she reacts to having someone like like the competitive nature yeah of having someone doing her job around her and also doing her job well around yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, the fact that she's come across a genuine adversary. Yeah. Like, someone who's like, oh, I actually have to put in effort. Yeah. Not just, like, this is going to be easy to play you. Yeah. Although I did love, I did love that, like, the phone thing was, like, she intentionally let. Yeah. Oh, although, actually, here's the thing about that. Now that I'm saying it out loud, I think there's a 50-50 yeah. That either he got that off of her and it wasn't intentional mm-hmm. and then they used it to their advantage later or she intentionally let him get it. Because her yeah. reaction is like, oh, my God, you, you got my phone. And she's, like, mad about it. Yeah. So, actually, now I'm thinking maybe that was not intentional and he yeah. genuinely did get the better of her. Yeah. And then they just used it once it was already in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of love that, actually, because yeah. it, it just – I guess Parker is so used to focusing on stealing stuff from other people. She's not paying attention to people trying to steal stuff from her because who would be trying to steal stuff from her? She's the thief in this scenario, you know? And I just kind of love that as a concept, actually. I love the fact that she sees Apollo and thinks, oh, this is a challenge, not this is an enemy. Yeah. Like, it's it's very much, like, mutual respect. Like, she... It's not animosity. It's the bird thing. Yeah. She's like, like, oh, genuinely, like, what bird did you go with? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they're, like, comparing notes, like, yeah. Parker's like, I like this one because it's more colourful. Like, Mm, mm mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, that would have been my second choice. Like, I love that they have, yeah, mutual respect is is a good way to put it. And it's not a, it's, this is why I was saying, like, I didn't like Chaos because Chaos was just kind of a dick. Yeah. But I really liked the others because they were all like, oh, I see you as a worthy opponent yeah. and I respect your ability and your craft. And I think that's baked into the whole thing of that's why Chaos is the one who had planned the double cross. Mm-hmm. Because like he was, in this episode, he's the one exception to the like honour among thieves yeah. Yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of rule. You know, like 
everyone else, like, they're not doing it. Like, they don't genuinely want to throw the others to the wolves. No. They just want to achieve their own goals. Yeah, like, they're competing, but they're not competing in a way that's like, I'll throw you under the bus. Yeah. They're just competing in a way that's like, oh, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Like, it's just, a, like, an extra additional mm-hmm. challenge. It's almost like a training exercise. Yeah. It's almost like they're like, oh, this is, like, a fun little team bonding experience, yeah. I guess. It's like their version of, like, an escape room. Yeah. You know? I, I love this episode a lot. I, I don't know if you can tell. I I think this shit slaps. I love a lot of the characters they introduce into this episode, and I'm like, yes, Beach, give me more. <laughs> no, I, I didn't really like this episode. Um, I also love the fact that they did make it a female hitter on the other team. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, do, I do love that. I do love that they are like, yeah, equal opportunities. Yeah, and I do love that we're shown that she is absolutely 100% just as capable as Elliot. Exactly. Like, they're not... And like heels. And there is, like, the little bit that it's like, oh, well, you wouldn't hit a girl. Yeah. And he's like, well, if she hits me first... I love that he's like, that counts. <laughs> you know? And I also I also love that we hear that Elliot can speak multiple languages. Yes. Which is also just, like, a fun little extra tidbit of information. Oh, yeah. About his Hebrew character. is not the only other language he speaks. We, mm. we, we, we get some more languages from him later on. Yeah. He is, I think it's quite a fun little... Yeah. He's, he's definitely a polyglot. A what? Polyglot. What? A person who knows and is able to use several languages. Polyglot. Well, New word for the day. It's my word of the day. I had one last point. Yeah. Which is, I love this, like... I don't know if it's like a theme. It's not a theme. This sort of trend of Hardison over-complimenting people who didn't actually do anything. Like, I just think it's really funny. A number of times when he's, like, playing a role, his tactic seems to be just compliment the fuck out of whoever they're trying to con. And they'll be so caught up in the, like, oh, like, thank you of it all that they're not even going to think about the fact that it doesn't actually make any sense. (laughs) <laughs> and it works every fucking time and I just think it's really funny I love that that's his tactic he's just like I'm just gonna be so nice to you that you're just gonna get all flustered and, and accept the compliments without actually thinking about the like con like I mean he's the red and the red cross and yeah. the red white and blue you are my heroes yeah <laughs> um, while we're talking vaguely about that sort of I love the velcro pants Parker just like rips off the Velcro pants oh, outside. Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah! <laughs> I, love I love that shit. I love the part when the security is like, when the hell did the police arrive? Like, how did they get in here? It's very fun. Oh, okay. The one moment in this episode where I was like, oh, my belief is no longer suspended, mm. was when she was flipping through the moving lasers. I was like, mm. stationary lasers. I'll grant you, mm. sure. Moving ones, not so much. And like, I get it. It's TV. It's you know, just them being like, "Look how cool!" Yeah. But I'm also like, I don't know. I feel like having them as moving was probably just like a step, step above where I'm willing to be like, "Yeah, that's believable." It's not really a complaint. It's just an observation. See, here's the thing, though. Parker loves a challenge enough that I reckon she's like practice. You know what I mean? Like, I reckon she's like set up her own moving lasers and like practice this shit. I mean. Because, like, even though they're moving, they move in predictable ways, if that makes sense. Like, so if she can spot the pattern of how they're moving. I guess so. I guess my thing is um, being able to flip around Mm. through them. Because, like, then you can't see where your limbs are in relation to the lasers at any given moment. Like, if she was just, like, kind of 
I realize this is not a visual medium that we're using, yeah. but you can see the movements I'm making. Like, it's not like she's watching her limbs as she, like, bends around the lasers. She's just, like, absolutely backflipping through shit. And I'm like, eh. again, not a complaint. Like, it's yeah. TV, whatever. Like, you know, convenience, 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 blah, blah, blah. You missed the plot, plot, plot. Yeah, I, I forgot. I'm really distracted by my eyes. <laughs> you know, I get it. Like, TV magic, whatever. Like, plot, 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 convenience, convenience, convenience. You're watching Leverage. But... Yeah, that's like, I mean, it's neither here nor there, really. I, I just, I, I do really love the line, um, maybe Nazis want the stuff back that they so- stole. You know, secret Nazis. <laughs> it's like, okay, Parker, that's where you're going, apparently. Oh, I love her brain. I also do love, there's the line, when you go to the trouble of killing someone the likes of a Sophie Devereux, you make sure they're dead. Yeah. Key. Yeah. Key. Yeah. Like, I also really thought that line was very interesting mm. um, and a very good point, honestly, because, yeah, if you're if you're going to be trying to assassinate someone who is whose profession is identity theft. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're going to want to double fucking check that they're actually dead and haven't just assumed a new identity. I do quickly just want to want to say Hardison makes up a fictional child in this episode and he names it Shiloh. I don't know if I must have missed that. When he's like, I mean, it's not serious. He's like, oh, you're bumping into my baby monitor frequency. Oh my God. Little yes. Shiloh needs to take a nap. <laughs> I did love the, that that was the cover that he went with, which was just like, get the fuck out of my baby monitor. Okay, <laughs> thanks. I want to talk about how much I love the security guard who's like, you know, we're taught as men to hide our emotions. Yes. I love that dude. I love that he straight up was like, this man is having a hard time. Yeah. I can help him. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to arrest him or whatever. I'm going to, like, talk him out of whatever sort of emotional distress he's in. Yeah. I was like, yeah, dude. What a sweetie. Absolutely. And then, yeah, he's, like, going into, you know, as as you say, like, that quote. And it's just like, yeah, you know. Men are taught to repress their feelings. we got to dismantle that patriarchal, you know, way. Okay, well, I think I don't have any other points to make. Do you have anything else you'd like to add about this episode? There's a lot here. Like, There is a lot here. I think we've probably covered everything that I really wanted to talk about. If I sat, like, I look, we could sit here and talk about this for another six hours, really. Yeah. We could. But I think everything that I really wanted to cover, we've covered. So yeah, no, I think I'm I think I'm pretty much tapped out. Oh, wow, look at that. Efficient episode recording today. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay, that brings us to the end of that episode. I wanna know what you would rate this episode out of five. I'm okay, so I'm in two minds. Yeah. I'm in two minds. When I am thinking about how I'm gonna rate the episode, yeah. I often think about like how much I enjoyed the viewing of it. Yes. Right? Just generally speaking. And I think this episode the actual, like, enjoyment I got out of viewing it, I ranked it in my notes as a 3.5. Mm-hmm. But on discussion of it and thinking about how much depth it actually adds narratively, I think I'm going to bump it up to a 4. So, like, yeah. actually, like, watching it as an episode, like, 3.5. Yeah. But the amount that it adds to Sophie and, like, the layers and sort of the extrapolations that we as viewers can make about her and the other characters from it. Look, you said you wanted depth. Yeah. Well, characters are what I love more than anything. So I think 
for me, I'm going to give it that extra 0.5 and make it a 4. Even though it was an episode, I have I didn't enjoy it as much for viewing as much as yeah. I enjoyed other episodes that I've rated like 4 or 4.5. Yeah. But just because of the analysis that you're able to do, like the, mm-hmm. the introspection, I guess, of Sophie's character, I think it gets the extra, the extra 0.5. Like those bits like with her and Nate in the cemetery at the end, you know, like just even that addition of like that discussion that they're having there, I think it just adds such a wealth to what you can interpret. Yeah. And I, I think that that warrants the extra 0.5. So I'm going to give it a four. Ooh, I love that. Okay, the next episode is called The Iceman Job. Beth, what do you think it's going to be about? Okay, so I my initial thought is that it's going to be like an ice sculpture, okay, which yeah. is a very, very literal interpretation, mm-hmm. I realise. The other thing I guess it could be is like if you talk about like a person with like an the sort of description of being icy or like having mm. an ice heart or something. It's like very much like cold and aloof and removed and like all of those kind of yeah kind of things. So maybe it's like a hitman mm-hmm. kind of scenario. Who knows? Maybe there's a hitman and an ice statue. Yeah. I don't know. But just all the ice. All the ice. I don't know. Well, I guess also it could be like ice is a slang for like meth, but mm. I don't think that they would go that route. Like I feel like ice is like, like I've, for some reason, I'm leaning towards a more literal interpretation of the yeah. word ice. So I'm imagining it's going to have something to do with, like, if not necessarily an ice sculpture, yeah. I think probably, like, some sort of frigid environment. Like, I think it's yeah. going to be cold. Okay. You know, like the snow job. Okay. And I was like, there'll probably be snow. Yeah. It's, you know, the ice man job. I think there'll probably be ice. <laughs> okay. If you have nothing else to add... I don't think so. That's it for our episode today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending your morning, evening, day, night, 2 a.m., lunch, break. lunch, breakfast, dinner. Commute. Commute. Second breakfast. <laughs> Elevensies. Exactly. If you want to find us, you can find us on various social media platforms. We have a link tree in the description where you can find us wherever you want to find us. Suggested conversation topics include... Various aliases for Sophie... What you think Sophie's actual name is. Oh my god, yes, please. Help me narrow it down. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, here's the thing. You can't tell me what Sophie's name is, but you could tell me what Sophie's name isn't. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and that'll help me narrow it down by approximately 1%. At what point in the show did you realise, oh no, I think I actually like Nate? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, we know the van smells like hard work. What else does it smell like? Oh, okay. Yeah, if you were going to have a scented candle mm. and you were designing it to smell like Hardison's van, mm. what scents are we popping in there? Yeah. I think you have to put that, like, you know when you get a new appliance, like a new hair straightener, and, like, yeah. the first time you run it and it fucking has that, like, weird, like... Yeah, it's like an, a coating that's sort of burning Like the acrylic... And it smells like yeah. burning plastic and shit. I feel like that has to be part of the scent. Just okay. because of all of the computer hardware. Okay. It's yeah. not a good scent. I'm not saying this candle will smell good. <laughs> I'm just saying it'll smell like Hardison's van. Mm. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.